two men of color vanished after last being seen in the same deputy's patrol car. I knew something was wrong. My mother knows. It's the strangest case, the most unsettling case. Listen to The Last Ride podcast, part of the NPR Network. From KMUW Studios and part of the NPR Podcast Network, this is Books and Whatnot. I'm Beth Golay, host of KMUW's Marginalia Podcast. And I'm Suzanne Perez, KMUW's resident book reviewer. This episode was recorded on April 3rd, 2023. Any references to new or forthcoming and the like are relative. Hey, Beth. Hello, Suzanne. How are you on this beautiful April morning? A little bit tired. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I, I can say the same. Why do we record on Mondays? Well, it's fine. Think, yeah, it's not just Monday. We've had a really busy two weeks or, prior to this day. Or months. Yeah, yeah. for you, months. <laughs> Suzanne was part of Gridiron, as she yeah. is every year, and she did a fabulous job. And Beth was part of it, too, helping backstage. Only so for a week. It meant uh, some late nights. And, yeah, we're bro- both probably trying to catch up on a little sleep. Um, I have an interesting bookish moment to share with you today. Oh, what's that? Okay, so my husband Andy and I went to a new pizza place this weekend in kind of our neighborhood. We wanted to check it out. It opened recently and it was delicious. By the way, we ordered a pizza. We sat and we both brought our books with us because just we always have a book with us. Anyway, we got done with our pizza. We talked a little bit and then we thought, let's just sit here and read just while we finished up our drinks or whatever. The way the server who happens to be the manager of the restaurant, came over. Andy was reading The Grapes of Wrath. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, my gosh, that's one of my favorite novels. I really love the classics. We start talking about books a little bit. And then he says, "It's just I just want to tell you guys it's so refreshing to see people reading instead of just on their phones. And we had this whole long discussion about kind of what he likes to read. And, and he was totally into, like, Gore Vidal and uh, Kurt Vonnegut and yeah sort of classics and then I was talking about anyway I ended up giving him my bookmark which was the uh, read ICT challenge 2023 bookmark Uh he didn't know about the challenge anyway it was just so cool to sort of have that little moment of community and I know if you see people reading at you know a bar or a restaurant or whatever it's it is kind of unusual I guess. It really is. I saw actually a photo of you reading at this place. Uh, yes, I think Andy your posted, posted one. it yes. on on Facebook. And you know, it's not unusual for me, but to see other people do it, it is. Yeah, isn't that strange? And I wish it would be not so strange. I wish we'd see more people doing it. Yeah. Uh, but it's also funny because anytime you break out a book and start reading, you're like inviting people to come up and talk to you about the book, and then you don't really get any reading <laughs> That's done. True. That's so true. <laughs> but it was just such an interesting experience yeah. and a nice one. It was a very peaceful little lunch there. Very nice. Yeah. So what's going on with you? Well, I want to send a shout out to those who have sent in shelfies so far. Last Yay. episode, we invited people to send in photos of themselves in front of their bookshelves, and we've received a great response. Our first one, um, you'll be able to see the very first person to respond was Monica Rice from McPherson, Kansas, and her shelfie can be seen on the Books and Whatnot podcast page for, at org. Yeah, we're going to share that on our um, page online so that everyone can see Monica. You know, when Monica sent her shelfie, she explained why some of the books had a presence on her shelf and then said she could imagine that everyone's bookshelves have their own stories to tell. And one of my favorite things from Monica's bookshelf was actually her favorite thing. She wrote, 
My favorite thing of all on these two shelves is my, quote, Books I've Read, A Reader's Journal, (laughs) which I started in college. This copy is full and includes so many well-loved references and quotes. It's like visiting friends every time I open it up. I love that so much. I I wish I, do you have a journal of any sort like that? Mine is online, and I think I have not updated it for a couple of months. Well, I keep track of my reads online now and have very meticulously, at least online, um, for the past, I'd say, six or seven years. But gosh, it would be so cool to have notes going back to my college years because Mm -hmm. I read a lot back then that, frankly, I don't remember a lot about now. It would be so neat to go back and read sort of your notes from your earlier self. Would that is that what you call a commonplace book? Well, I think so. Yes, I think. Or that's where you put, like, quotes from the books and stuff, right. too, right? Yeah, right. that would have been, gosh, why didn't we start that? I don't know. Well, we were busy doing other things, like, I don't know, partying or something <laughs> in college. Speak for yourself. <laughs> and yeah. anybody who I went to school with, you better not call in. <laughs> no, but that would, I mean, well, that's a, a good little tip for anybody yeah. out there who... I just love reading journals of any sort. I like them, you know, handwritten. I like them online. I like just tracking reading because it's so nice to go back and and sort of think about what you've read. Exactly. Thank you for sharing your shelfie, Monica. Yeah, thank you, Monica. And if you would like to send us a shelfie to feature on one of our monthly episodes, please email it to podcasts at kmuw.org. And that's podcasts, plural, at kmuw.org. Thank you, Suzanne. (laughs) Well, you know, podcasts. I know. I always swallow my asses. (laughs) So what you been reading lately? Well, I I actually couldn't remember what I had read (laughs) until I started making my list this morning. And I read six books since we last spoke. It's been one month. Yeah. Um, The first one that I think I want to talk about is Take What You Need by Idra Novi. I loved your Marginalia interview with her. Oh, thank you. Very well done. It's the second time I've I've visited with her. I spoke with her back in, I think, 2016 or 2017 for um, Ways to Disappear, and that book went on to win multiple awards. She is just such a, a... careful writer she um she comes to fiction from poetry so it's like you know when you talk about poetry every word choice is is very purposeful it's set in the allegheny mountains um and it it involves a stepmother and her stepdaughter and it, it looks at you know one is living in rural america one is living in urban america it explores the the polarization of our country. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, it explores art and the power of art. And I, I love, she did some interesting things with a timeline where, you know, first chapter, we know that the stepdaughter is driving to her stepmother's house because she has inherited all of her art because the stepmother has died. Yet the very next chapter is the, it's told from the stepmother's perspective. Oh, so, so she does some jumping around on the timeline, which is a lot of fun. It was just fantastic. You know, it explored difficulties of family, accommodation, and capitulation to male decision-making. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit of a feminist novel. But, you know, you just, for in my opinion, Idra Novi is, she is actually one of those must-read authors that we've talked about before. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I need to check her out. Yes. Idra Novi, take what you need. If you're looking for a new author to try, this is absolutely one to try. Great. That sounds fabulous. What about you? Okay. So I am, uh, so my first uh, read I'm going to talk about today is Chlorine by Jade Song. (laughs) I um, 
picked this up because when I read the blurb, I saw that it was about a competitive, a high school competitive swimmer. Um, my son was a swimmer, so I'm kind of familiar with that world. And that's what drew me to the book. Uh, this is a dark uh, kind of coming of age tale about sort of the consequences of a competitive life. And uh, so, so it the, it's the story of Wren, who's um, a high school student, and she's a competitive swimmer. So that means all of the all the strange rituals that swimmers have, you know, the two-a-day practices, the very insular sort of world that they live in. You know, she's always craving the approval of her coach, her parents. She thinks that if she can just swim faster and just do better and just cut time, you know, she'll be, you know, people will like her more. And I mean, it's not just the story of a competitive swimmer. It is like a dark sort of horror tale at the end. And I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But basically, she thinks if she could just become a mermaid, she's fascinated by mermaids. It's, you know, her, her sort of mental machinations are throughout the novel, you see her sort of going kind of darker and darker and darker and it climaxes uh, toward the end with this scene that's kind of disturbing. It wasn't what I expected at all, but I really liked it. Um, Hmm. Huge trigger warnings for people, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, body horror gore kind of stuff. But I think the writing was just incredible. Again, it's by Jade Song. She's an Asian uh, American. And also, it's an LGBTQ sort of coming of age tale. So Ren and her friend Kathy um, sort of find romance in this book as well. It also has an interesting structure. It starts out with Ren telling her story in reflection, like, I did this, I did this, I did this. Before I became a mermaid, hmm. this was my life. Then there, it's interspersed with these chapters from her friend Kathy saying, you know, here's what happened with from her perspective. It was fabulous. It's not a very long book at all. And it's also just sort of a take on female body image and sort of that competitive drive and the consequences of that. So that is Chlorine by Jade Song. Kind of a weird one to start with today. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, my next one is not weird at all. It's <laughs> called Sea of Tranquility by oh, Emily St. John Mandel. A and, modern classic. And she, you know, it takes place in the United States and in the moon colonies and in the far colonies. So it's not weird at all. <laughs> no, I guess you would call it speculative fiction. Yes. Is it sci-fi technically? I hate calling her novel sci-fi because I didn't consider well, what, Station what you, Eleven What sci-fi. do you call science fiction? I mean, um, it's more dystopian. Station Eleven was more dystopian fiction. Um, but I don't know. I, I read Sea of Tranquility as well, and I don't know how I would classify it. Well, we do not have moon colonies, and we do not have far colonies. That's so true. So I would, I would say this is science fiction. Yeah, I guess so, but it's so literary. Literary science fiction. It is. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Um, it was... It was inspired, and I've, I've visited with Emily about this book. It was inspired by New York City in February of 2020. She said, we knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, we have three international airports. We knew what was coming. And so this book, um, it's, it's, she doesn't, and, you know, another one who does interesting things with the timeline because she has multiple storylines and mo- multiple timelines. And it, you know, goes all the way from 1912 all the way up to the year 2401. And so... It imagines a world experiencing the fear and loneliness of the pandemic, because even in like one of the later year chapters, when another pandemic is coming around, 
um, this author hightails it back to her moon colony, and she's like, of course we knew it was coming. How many flights do we have to the moon every day? I mean, it was just interesting (laughs) the way she did that. And so um, one thing that I found interesting was in in the same storyline where this woman hightails it back to the moon because she knows what's coming. She's an author on book tour, and it's it's like the longest book tour imaginable, and this chapter is called The Last Book Tour on Earth. (laughs) (laughs) You have to wonder if that was pulled from... Emily St. John oh, Mandel's life. You don't have to wonder at all because it absolutely was. <laughs> um, things that were said to this author, um, things these same things were absolutely said to Emily St. John Mandel. Idiotic questions that interviewers asked her, she put them in the book. <laughs> and so, so I... So watch out, anybody who's interviewing an author. Yeah, so then I asked her this question. Take a listen. Have you found um, with Sea of Tranquility that People are afraid to interview you for fear of asking. <laughs> yes, everybody. Question <laughs> yeah. that might end up in your next book. Yeah. And so, you know, the other thing I find interesting about Emily St. John Mandel is that people in her stories have appeared in, in other stories. And it's not that she can't exactly let them go, except, you know, they keep talking to her and they have their own stories. Um, Vincent is one character from the Glass Hotel, and she shows up in Sea of Tranquility with, you know, the same husband, the same situation, except it's just, it's a, you know, it's a more minor part in this one. So a character from the Lola Quartet showed up in this one. I love and that. that. Was, yeah. It's like get little Easter eggs for your loyal readers. Exactly. And I think it's just such a cool little shout out to the people who are familiar with your work. Exactly. And so, I, you know, I did visit with her for the paperback release. So a lot of you listeners have, have read, you know, you've read this book a long time ago. But it was my first time reading Sea of Tranquility. And, yeah, it was really, it was very enjoyable. She's also another one who, her writing is so exquisite. It's just, uh, it's it's something to read. It really is. Uh, sea of Tranquility did pretty well in the Tournament of Books, which we mentioned in previous mm-hmm. episodes. It went pretty far. Um, and, and, and I just got to say here briefly uh, the winner of of the 2023 Tournament of Books was The Book of Goose. And I was, having read that book, kind of shocked by that. And then I thought, did I read that book right? <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I just, I, it's not that I was underwhelmed by that novel. But anyway, when it went all the way, I was like, okay, well, maybe I need to reexamine that book. But I don't know. It's all about the judging in that thing. I was going to say that same thing. I mean, you have one judge reading two books and deciding which ones which one moves forward. I mean, you have... The, the at-large people who can get, you know, books that were voted out. What are they called? Right, the zombie, zombie round. round. Yeah. yeah. They but can then vote those back in. At the end, you did have the whole panel, and it was um, Book of Goose versus Babel, which I happen to be reading right now mm-hmm. and loving. I'll bring that next month, I'm sure. But, yeah, it was an interesting matchup and an interesting winner. But that's what that tournament is all about. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, my next uh, the book I'm bringing is I Take My Coffee Black by Tyler Merritt. I listened to this on audio at the suggestion of several friends who had said it was just a wonderful audiobook. And I will add, it is a perfect way to take this in. Tyler Merritt, he sort of came to fame with a viral video that came out shortly after the uh, murder of George Floyd. It was called Before You Call the Cops. It was just his face. He's a, uh, Tyler Merritt's a black man and a large black man with dreadlocks. And the video is his face just looking at the camera saying, Before You Call the Cops, know this about me, you know, I love my mom, I love music theater. He says all these little details about his life. And the main point basically is that the more you know someone, 
the more empathy, understanding, and compassion you have for that person. So that video he created, it went viral. It took on a life of its own. It was featured on Jimmy Kimmel. Then Jimmy Kimmel became a friend of Tyler Merritt's. And this is just sort of a a memoir of sorts about his growing up as a black man in America. And it's interesting because he stops the audiobook every now and then to kind of make a joke. You just know that there are parts of the audio that are not really in the in the written section. He talks to his mom about certain things and then get his gets his mom on the phone on the audiobook and talks to her. So it's really a fun experience. Uh, but he talks about some some really difficult issues, including police violence. He talks about um, just sort of racist uh, experiences that he has experienced and the whole purpose is his sort of mission, the Tyler Merritt Project, he calls it, is to build empathy. He really believes that if people shared more about themselves, they would be more accepting of others. And it was just a really great uh, listen. I highly recommend it. That's I Take My Coffee Black by Tyler Merritt. Very good. My next one is a book called It Goes So Fast, The Year of No Do-Overs by Mary Louise Kelly. And Mary Louise Kelly is one of the um, hosts of NPR's All Things Considered. And just last month, I interviewed one of the other hosts, Ari Shapiro. You're on the NPR interview tour. That's right. And so Mary Louise Kelly wrote this book. It's a book about life-work balance in a way. And she was also able to balance life and work throughout this book. She, you know, she spoke about her sons. She has left NPR several times just to be a better mother. But then she's also gone back to NPR and they, you know, they continue to, she'll call mm-hmm. and say, put me in coach. I know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, she she decided to write a, a book about the year, the very last year her oldest son would be at home before he went off to school. Oh, wow. And um, she's missed so many of his soccer games and everything. And so it was, you know, it was it was a book about family. It was a book a lot about her dad. Um, it was a book about her work at NPR, and it, she, you know, she shared her dad's Manhattan recipe in it, which we'll just have to try. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm so, all for that. But um, it was a very, it, it was a fascinating read. I love that idea of this sort of micro memoir, almost like mm-hmm. this look at this particular slice in her life, because I think a lot of people can relate to that. That sort of impending, empty nesting, and the push pull of parenting and right. work, and all of those issues. That sounds great. Did you know Mary Louise Kelly is also a, a fiction writer? She writes thrillers. Oh, I had no idea. That's, you know, one of the times when she left to be, you know, to stay home. She, you know, she has several thrillers out. I oh, didn't my know gosh. That either. Under her name or a different name? I believe it's under her name. Okay. Let's look that up. It's under her name. Wow. Anonymous Source, The Bullet. She writes, yeah, she writes. <laughs> Anonymous Source. <laughs> That's the name of the <laughs> That's book. the title? Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. I'll have to check those out, too. Yeah. Be some good, fun, fun summer reading. Yeah, so that's It Goes So Fast, The Year of No Do-Overs by Mary Louise Kelly. All right. Uh, Well, my next one I'm going to very briefly mention. um, I have some questions for you by Rebecca Mackay. I finished that one, Beth. It's another Beth Made Me Do It because you brought that uh, book in a previous episode. Loved it. Yeah. And the um, Apparently, Timothy Chalamet loves it, too. <laughs> oh, really? And David Sedaris was reading it. So, yeah, they, she posted, Rebecca Mackay posted something on her Twitter of David Sedaris being interviewed and saying, yeah, I'm reading that new, and I have to say, I'm with David on this one. I am reading that new Rebecca Mackay novel. What's the title again? I cannot <laughs> for the life of me. I could not, while I was reading it, remember the title of that book. Anyway, the descriptions about... 
a secret history ma- uh, secret history meets a serial were very apt, I thought. Okay. Um, I loved it. I love the structure. I love the podcast theme throughout. Uh, really, well, her writing is just spectacular. So yeah. I just wanted to briefly mention that because I did read that this month. And then I'm bringing a couple of books of poetry. Uh, you know, this is... Uh, National Poetry Month. So and I, it's not really necessarily why I picked these books up. Um, but I just happened to explore some poetry books recently. So one of them is God Themselves by Jay Nichelle. And I have a review of this um, on KMUW.org. Jay Nichelle is a spoken word poet. And she sort of went viral. I guess, yeah, my, this is also my month for viral. <laughs> People go viral and then write books, books. But she went viral for a performance of, a, of one of her poems titled Friends with Benefits. And it's all about her anxiety and kind of what it does to her life. And she's talking to the audience about her anxiety and what it does to her, you know, millions and millions of views on YouTube. And um, but she's, a, again, a spoken word poet. So really, I highly, again, recommend audio on this. She narrates the book and you can really hear her voice through these poems. But she explores, she's a black, a young black woman. And she explores issues of race, queerness, uh, racism, body image, again, just really, really powerful contemporary poems. And, you know, with a dramatic flair, it's so nice to listen to poets read their own work. And this was just a fabulous debut collection. This is her first uh, published collection, and it was fantastic. And too often, like poetry doesn't come into our lives very often, except for like special occasions, you know, someone will read a poem at a wedding, or a funeral or the inauguration of a president, we always have, you know, we think of Amanda Gorman's uh, poem, The Hill We Climb that she read at Joe Biden's inauguration. Maya Angelou, Mm. reading her poetry also at inaugurations and elsewhere. But poetry is not just for special occasions. You know, I highly recommend picking up a book of poems, maybe having that book going on in the background of the other stuff you're reading and just sort of experiencing one every so often. It's just a beautiful uh, way to experience language. So this one, again, is God Themselves by Jay Nichelle. Very nice. I will just touch on this next one brief- briefly as well because it came out several years ago. A lot of people have read it. You have read it. A lot of Wichita is reading it right now. And oh, is, yes. Um, can't we talk about something more pleasant? I, I read it a few weeks ago because I, I was able to interview Roz Chast about this book. She's a New Yorker legend. And and to read this this very personal memoir about um, about her parents and the end of their life and what she had to go through as an only child dealing with it, it was a very touching book. It was an interesting conversation, and it, like I said, it was just an honor to visit with her. Yeah, this was such a fantastic choice for Wichita's Big Read. I'll put a little uh, plug reminder in here, too. I had the honor this past weekend of moderating a panel discussion with several local physicians and experts in the areas of palliative care and hospice, and that was a, it was a virtual discussion um, that took place Saturday morning recently, and that the recording of that discussion will be online. I will include it in the show notes for for this episode uh, because that book again is prompting a lot of really important discussions throughout our community about aging and caregiving and you know making sure your want your family knows what you want and desire from end of life and and having those really, really difficult uh, discussions with your family, I think 
it's so nice when you have a book like this that, you know, if you read it when you're not in crisis, you know, that's the best time Mm -hmm. to read it, to talk about it and to talk to those you love about kind of those very important topics. So anyway, I will I'll include our our discussion in the show notes here as well, because that was sponsored by the Medical Society of Sedgwick County. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So that was and it was really interesting to talk to, you know, people who know about hospice and dementia. Anyway, it was great. Okay, what's next for you? All right. Well, I'm going to, again, briefly mention Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson, which did you bring this in a previous episode as well? I think I did last Okay, this is all about Beth made me do it. No, (laughs) Um, Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson, because it's the topic of an upcoming um, book club discussion. I really enjoyed it. It's that sort of rich people, how the one percenters live, and but it was really more about family dynamics and, yeah, just sort of, the young generation want, you know, some of the young younger generation wanting to give away their inherited wealth, feeling guilty about that, sort of the different attitudes towards wealth. That was really, really fascinating to me. And then I just love a New York novel. Mm. It sort of screamed to me, and I did, I have the, my review about of this one online at kmuw.org as well. Um, it screamed summer read to me for some reason, and I thought it was very odd that it came out in March. <laughs> it was a March release. It's just, I mean, it even looks like a summer read book. It's got this very bright, colorful cover. It's sort of dysfunctional family. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Pineapple Street would would make you think like this is this must be about a vacation. Oh, you know, if you're like me and didn't realize that it was one of the fruit streets in Brooklyn. Right. I had no idea. I didn't so. either. Yeah. Yeah. Fruit, uh, a pineapple, cranberry, cranberry and, and orange. orange. Yeah. <laughs> so I, see, we learn things through fiction. <laughs> but I really love that one. And the, but then my my final one I'm going to talk about is another book of prose poetry is the only way to really describe it. Um, you're familiar with Maggie Smith, aren't you, Beth? I am. She wrote Goldenrod, which I think it, you, you spoke I with spoke her about with her that, one. that one. Well, her new one, I just got to talk about this. It's um, You Could Make This Place Beautiful. It is a memoir written in, the only way to describe it is prose poetry, very, very short chapters, paragraph form for the most part, although they're interspersed a, a few, you know, kind of tr- more traditional poems. But Maggie Smith is a poet. This book is all about her midlife divorce, Mm. and it is incredible. I mean, she really delves deep into that feeling of, you know, she was married for 13 years. It suddenly came apart. She had two young children. Her whole world is upended. Everything she knew is, is different, but she obviously journaled and took meticulous notes through that whole experience because she has really, really vivid scenes in this um, where she, you know, talks about just little bits of conversation with her, you know, soon-to-be ex-husband and her children and other people in her life. And I highly recommend it. This particular experience um, is not one that's written about, about very often, or maybe it's a chapter in a memoir. But to really look at it and explore that experience of going from a married person to a single person in middle age was just fascinating to me. I think she did just a beautiful, beautiful job. It's not written about often, but I feel like she has written about this before. Yes, she wrote Keep Moving. Okay. Um, so, so the way I understand it, and I'm not very familiar with her past works, but it, this makes me want to go back and explore them for sure. She kind of came to fame with, again, with the viral uh, poetry uh, with a poem called Good Bones. Right. And it sort of took off uh, during 
the pandemic. And she talks about how that was sort of the beginning of the end of her marriage. Um, There's all these issues in her marriage about the distribution of duties and who does what and who's the main caretaker and who's the main breadwinner and all of those things come up too. She journaled and tweeted during the, the shutdown and then later in the pandemic, all these sort of keep moving. Her theme was keep moving and, you know, keep moving on. And then she turned that into sort of a collection memoir um, of poems. Okay. I, um, I'm not sure. But yeah, she definitely has. And you are familiar with Goldenrod. You talked to her about Goldenrod, I did, right? Yes. I, I definitely want to go back and read that. It's still one of my favorites. Yeah. And this is so different because Goldenrod was pure, was, was poetry. Mm-hmm. She says, um, this is not, she says at the very beginning of the book, this is not a tell all, this is a tell mine. Mm, interesting. And I loved that mm-hmm. phrase because it's like, all I can tell you, reader, is how I was feeling and what I experienced mm-hmm. through this. And she actually, throughout the book, will say, I know, but I'm not going to tell you about that, and, or I'm not going to tell you about this. She, she does hint at some things that she doesn't divulge as well. Interesting. So, anyway, that is uh, You Could Make This Place Beautiful by Maggie Smith. The title comes from a line from her poem, Good Bones. Okay. And she, she has a little, another little snippet in the book saying, the, the title of this book makes it sound like heaven and I write about hell. Anyway, it's, it's just fabulous. I can't say enough good things about it. Very nice. Yeah. I just have a couple of more, and I'll, I'll rush through these. The Society of Shame by Jane Roper. This is about a woman named Kathleen who comes home from a trip visiting her sister. She, you know, she's coming home early to surprise her husband, and Uh-oh. that's never <laughs> a good idea. Bum, bum, bum. She arrives. The taxi drives her home. Um, the garage is on fire. Her husband is in the front yard with his pants off and his mistress is like drunk in the yard. Wow. And the moment is captured by um, the the cabbie or the Uber driver or whatever he was takes a picture of the scene. And what shames her, though, is that she has a period stain that she didn't realize was there. <laughs> oh, God. It just gets worse and worse. Right. So, you know, she... Decides to, I mean, she immediately moves out of the house, but she somehow intercepts this invitation that is meant for her husband to join the Society of Shame. And so it's this group of people who, this author who was formerly shamed for some reason, you know, pulls these people in. And so this group contains somebody who called the cops on a meter reader or somebody just because of the color of his skin. Some Karens. Yeah, somebody who... um, has a ranch in Montana and was shamed for shooting a wolf. Wow. And, you know, just a bunch of people, an an actor who, you know, was part of the Me Too movement. Anyway, they're all there to, like, remake their lives. And Kathleen is there, but she's the only one who hasn't done anything shameful. Yeah, I mean, or, really. Well, yes, it was just that's right. just unfortunate. You know, there, then there's like this movement that star, starts. Let's hashtag yes, we bleed, and all these people are trying to, you know, <laughs> make a normalize make yes. menstruation. Yeah. Yes. So it was just, um, it was, it was an interesting look at cancel culture, at the way we, the internet can just make something, you know, make or on, break me, people. That. This sounds like I would really, really love this novel because, you know, one of my favorite books, nonfiction books of all time is So You've Been Publicly Shamed oh, by right. John Ronson. Uh-huh. And that whole issue of cancel and shaming and what happens to people after that is fascinating to me. Well, and also the short attention span of the collective, how right. they move on to something else. 
Um, I, I did visit with Jane Roper and really enjoyed our conversation. So I you, look forward to hearing that on Marginalia. Yeah, and it's 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 a little bit of an escape read, I guess, because it felt like a brand muffin. You know, the more you chewed, the bigger it got, and it just kind of got out, <laughs> out of control and out of control and out of, out of control. But, it, you know, she had a, t- a 12-year-old daughter who was going through the, some of the stuff, and she was trying to protect her, yet... You know how much was she protecting her? And I don't oh, that's know. all that all that whole premise is fascinating to yeah. me. I am all in on that there one. There you go. So that is the Society of Shame by Jane Roper. Okay. My last one is Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club by Jay Ryan Straddle. Woo! He's one of our favorite people. He is. Oh, I just I love him. So Most much. of his books, I think all of his books so far. Uh, I, I you know his first one was uh, Kitchens of the Great Midwest, which I loved. And I think what that one taught me, when I first started reading it, I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of light. And then immediately somebody dies. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. Yes, kind of made can, me sit up and take notice a exactly, little bit. Exactly. More, the more uh, meaningful, that, that poignancy of yes. his writing. Yeah. Ugh. He also wrote The Logger Queen of Minnesota. And then um, this one, Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. It's set in Minnesota at, you know, at this Lakeside Supper Club. And it has to do a lot with family restaurants and the inheritance involved with that and who takes it over and, you know, any changes that you make. And are you stuck in this life or do you get to escape this life? And what makes a good mother? And it was just all the things, all the things. And it's generational, multi-generational. And, um, yeah. I cannot wait to read this because he does... Several things very, very well. Scene. I mean, he, he, the, his setting, his sense of place in his novels is so um, thoughtful and authentic. I mean, he writes Minnesota because he's from there, right? I mean, and I, he, or it's I, from I, the I Midwest. Got, I got to anyway. think he is. Yeah. <laughs> but he writes about the Midwest like nobody's business. And the humor that he puts in his novels and um, just like you said, the relationships. I cannot wait to dive into this one. Um, he also just writes about food a lot, doesn't he? Yes, he does. The food doesn't make as much, doesn't play as much of a role in this one, but it is, it is absolutely there. And, you know, there's this there's this one scene. I, I keep wanting to go back and find the Chez Panis, um cookbook that is referenced here and the cake that comes out of it. And, yeah. <laughs> there's a line from Lager Queen of Minnesota that I quote quite often in my life now and that's uh the person the character in that book that was not familiar with beer uh, it's it's about brewers and and brewing beer and she tastes an ipa for the first time and she she describes it as it tastes like dirt that's been burned on a grill (laughs) (laughs) which was my first experience with ipa now i actually kind of like them so it's an acquired taste but um i i just he if he comes to town i hope he comes to town again one of the best author events I've ever attended. I just love him. I remember loving his laugh. I yes, meant to listen to was, his last interview before. I'm talking to him in a few hours. So, oh, yeah. have fun. It was. I remember his laugh being just infectious. So yeah. anyway. And that is Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club by J. Ryan Straddle. All right. Um, I did bring a couple of uh, poetry books today, and I just wanted to shout out, I guess, a little bit to poetry in general this month. I feel like people don't pick up poetry other than if they're in school right. and their teachers make them. For some reason, it's um, really intimidating to people. I think people don't think they're smart enough for poetry. I know this has been my experience in the past. But lately, I just like to pick up books of poetry. First of all, they, they can go pretty quick, but you don't want to be too quick with them. You want to 
really spend time with each poem and savor it. But what are your thoughts, Beth, on, on just poetry in general? Do you read much of it? I read more of it now than I used to. I was one of those intimidated by poetry. I remember when Albert Goldbarth and Janine Hathaway would have readings at Watermark. And, you know, it would help when they would read to me because then I could understand, I could let them establish the cadence and the enjambments. And all I had to do why was we listen. Describe, why don't we explain what an enjambment is again? Because that's a great word. An but en- it's a $20 word. An enjambment is when... You have a line of poetry that does not end with punctuation at the end of the sentence and instead goes back to the next line. And the thing about an enjambment is you can read each line individually and they have different meanings. If you read it just as one sentence and continue to the punctuation, it has one meaning. But often if an, if an author enjams the sentence, he or she wants you to read them individually to decipher a different meaning. Yeah, see that it's that sort of deep thought, <laughs> go digging deep into the structure of the line and the word. But poets are so meticulous with language, and they have so much to teach us about just choosing just the right word. Exactly, exactly. And I, I do have to give a shout out to Dr. Boynton at Wichita State. I took his Nature of Poetry class, and that's what helped me to understand what it was I was looking at. I understand that the white space on the page has as much to do with the poem as the actual words. Since I took that class, I have interviewed some really fascinating poets, and I'm not as intimidated. I mean, Maggie Smith, you mentioned, that's one of my favorite interviews. Another one of my favorite interviews ever is Jericho Brown. I, I interviewed him in studio here for Traditions, and then... You know, a few weeks later, it won the Pulitzer for wow. for that for poetry. Um, Aaron Brown, who uh, was local, I think he's since I don't remember, I don't recall where he's moved away to, but I visited with him in studio about his poetry. Janine Hathaway, Kwame Alexander. Yeah, I mean, just last fall, I know Jason Reynolds. I have not interviewed Jason Reynolds, but um, Ilya Ilya Kaminsky. He, you know, he was a deaf poet. I interviewed who was born in the Soviet Union. Um, but he was on campus for a while, and I was able to talk to him. Idranovi, who I just mentioned. Yes, right. You know. She was a poet. Yes. And poets make the best novelists, I think, eventually. Yeah. Last last spring, I was supposed to, um, we were trying to nail down a date for me to interview um, Ada Lamon, and then it she ended up going overseas for a tour, and then it didn't happen. And by the time she got back, she was named the National Poet Laureate. So that interview went out the window. Well, but call me. I'd still like to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like so, sometimes poets will, you know, enter the limelight really briefly, like I said, at an inauguration or something. And that's always nice because then people will pick up, you know, when Amanda Gorman read, uh, you know, The Hill We Climb, then she had – a, a poetry collection come out mm-hmm. very wisely <laughs> right after that that did pretty well I think um, uh, two other um, poets I'd love to uh, sort of shout out are Ross Gay mm-hmm. um, and Kevin Young who oh. has Kansas connections yeah, as well that's right um, and then I, I also recommend if you're new to poetry first of all just dig in uh, the best way I think is to is to pick up sort of a contemporary anthology and you know Garrison Keillor has a good one called Good Poems. He has, I mean, because he used to read poems, mm-hmm. you know, on NPR every morning. Um, and, and those are really great ways to discover old and new poets, classics and modern. Um, there's Caroline Kennedy has a collection out called She Walks in Beauty, A Woman's mm-hmm. Journey uh, in Through Poems. 
I gave that as a gift to my daughter on, you know, you know, on a birthday or, or Christmas or something, because I just feel like those are, you know, you can just open those books to any page and get something out of it. You don't have to read them cover to cover, but just having them around, it's just kind of a nice way to to read, to have a little reading experience. I think I just wanted to encourage people to explore poetry, if not this month, then sometime this year. And if you are really, truly intimidated, another way to experience it is, you know, go out and find a YouTube video of the poet giving a, a reading somewhere and listen listen to the way they read the poem. Get a, get a copy of the poem in front of you and then listen to the way they read it. That's a great idea. And there's so many spoken word uh, poetry jams on YouTube that do really well. Again, like Jay Nichelle, who I mentioned earlier, has her spoken word poetry on YouTube as well. That's a great idea. Yeah. One last thing before we go. It seems I'm on a book club tour. <laughs> Yay. This is exciting for me uh, to hear about. A few weeks ago, I was invited to the 1914 book club. What in the world is that? It's it's a local book club that was established in that year, and they've been around no since. No way. Yes, way. And they invited oh me to gosh. talk about marginalia, which I absolutely loved. I want to thank Joanne Potter for the invitation. But I also want to say when I was there, um, one of the ladies asked if I had read Lessons in Chemistry. And I said no. But I will be reading it this week because I'm interviewing Bar- Bonnie Garmus oh. at the end of the week. Oh, so. is that coming out in paperback or something? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was a big hit last year. Yeah. I haven't, re- I haven't read it, but now yep. I have the opportunity to. And then I also um, I will be attending a book club tonight. My daughter, Liz, works with Jeremy, who listens, and his wife listens, and needed some book club recommendations. And so I emailed her out of the blue and said, so I hear you need some recommendations. What would you like to read? Do it. And so I we, had, we had a Hi, little Jeremy and Ginger. Oh. So Ginger invited me to her book club, and I'm going to crash it tonight. That's so. awesome. <laughs> um, when I see, I, I'm looking at the show notes here, and I see Ginger's book club. Yeah. And I thought it was a book club of redheads. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! What are you um? What are you reading for this? I actually haven't read it. Oh no, I've read it before. I okay. didn't reread it, but it's it's a Renee Rosen book. So a what? Renee Rosen. She is an okay. author from Chicago who I right. I think I've interviewed her three times. Oh my goodness! It is a book club tour. People are just saying, "Come to our club and be <laughs> with us and talk bookish things." I love that and. Yeah, we're we're both available for those kinds of uh, of visits. I think uh, yeah. Ginger described her club as a um, a drinking club with a reading problem or yes, something like that. That is how <laughs> my reading my uh, book club is as well. I, yeah. A drinking and travel club that occasionally will read a book together. <laughs> oh my! Well, I guess that sounds like a great place to stop. Have a good time on your book club tour, Beth. Thank you so much. And until next month, keep turning those pages. Bye bye. Bye. Books and Whatnot is a production of KMUW Wichita. Our team of engineers, producers, editors, and hosts are Mark Statzer, Torin Anderson, Haley Krausen, Jonathan Huber, Luann Stevens, Carly Cooper, Beth Golay, and Suzanne Perez. You can reach us by email sent to podcasts at kmuw.org, on Twitter at Books and Whatnot, and on Instagram, books underscore and underscore whatnot. Find more conversations and a list of books discussed in this episode at kmuw.org.